0: The Glenbeck Program. What is our God? What gives us eternal truth? What is that point on the horizon that we
1: need to affix and look at and say we're headed in that direction? If you get rid of the God who gave us the right of life, liberty, and the pursuit of happiness as individuals, then it's logical to have a conversation about getting rid of those rights. But then who is going to issue our rights? And what exactly do they mean? The
0: Glenbeck Program breaching the fault lines of today. Welcome to Reform This with Dr. Zudi Jasser on the Blaze Radio Network.
1: This is Dr. Zudi Jasser. Welcome to another week of Reform This. Thanks for being with me and if you've listened before, thanks for coming back. If you're new, I hope you hear a voice here, a patriotism a voice of an American Muslim who loves this country, who feels that the most important thing for American Muslims to get back to this country is to lead the fight for reform, to lead the fight against Islamism, which is the root cause of radicalization, the root cause of terrorism caused by Islamists, and the only way to keep America safe into the 21st century. Week to week, you and I bridge that divide, bridge the fault lines between the West, the land of modernity, freedom, liberty, democracy and the land of Islamism, autocracy, kleptocracy and autocracy of the Middle East. Theocracy especially. Um, Reform starts here. Reform the difficult conversations that you can't have anywhere else need to happen here. A lot to talk about as always and uh, at the top of the list uh, you know I think often we can talk about Turkey, we can talk about Saudi Arabia, we can talk about some of the most extreme movements here in America and learn about the method in which we confront them can become the template by which we confront islamists and to that point i think it is so important and, you know at the time i debated keith ellison back in 2008 10 years ago in the floors of the congress and and uh, in a briefing room uh, a number of members of the Arizona delegation had invited me and then invited Keith Ellison, and we had a little exchange about root causes of radicalization. He pretended to not know what Islamism is. He said it was a concept I made up. He pretended that I was responsible for hate crimes against his daughter because she wore the hijab. On and on, the victimization complex, the pleads of ignorance. And I confronted him with the truth of the need for us to confront islamic theocracy or islamism and i had always expressed dismay that congressman ellison was even a congressman and that his constituency would vote for a previous spokesperson for louis farrakhan a previous um not only member a previous leader of the racist separatist un-american anti-american movement known as the nation of islam that had spawned such militant movements as the black panthers and other dangerous organizations but he claimed to have distanced himself from that and now oh my gosh oh my gosh we are surprised to see photos of senator obama shaking hands gleefully with the minister louis farrakhan we see ellison had welcomed him into his office multiple times and to see seven or eight different members of congress now associated with meetings and with continued inability to condemn and distance themselves from the 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 racist, the fascist hate-monger of Louis Farrakhan and his entire movement of the Nation of Islam. Now, Ellison, in response this week, said, well, it doesn't matter, and Democrats don't care about his ties to Louis Farrakhan, they care about taxes, they care about... Welfare, they care about economy, on and on. The same trope of a politician who's trying to dodge the reality, which is his own radicalism. Never mind that every time Congressman Ellison has been confronted about his own his own absence in confronting radicalization in his local community, with the Minneapolis area being one of the most prolific radicalizers of Muslims in America with over 40 Muslims going to serve the jihad with al-Shabaab in Somalia and in Africa. And the stories are endless. And yet, Congressman Ellison's friends, the Council on American Islamic Relations, actually tried to obstruct almost every program that the Homeland Security Department under Obama did under the name of CVE or countering violent extremism, whatever, whatever that is. So as they tried to do that, Kerr called it anti-Muslim, called it uh, a, a witch hunt, et cetera, et cetera, and prevented Muslims from engaging in that program, which I felt was too soft, which should have been countering violent Islamism. The records show, take a look at the records in the Minneapolis area. of what Congressman Ellison did or didn't do and what the Council on American-Islamic Relations did to obstruct. And by the way, there are some reform-minded Muslims in the area around Minneapolis that did try to engage but don't have the resources or the media attention of all the identity politics that CARE was always given because of their platform and because of their foreign fealty to Qatar, to Saudi Arabia, to the Islamists of Iran and press TV, etc. So they're part of a global movement, a global Islamic lobby, that the media is more apt to pay attention to. So this week and last week, finally, we're seeing some attention to why do I bring up Louis Farrakhan? Well, the Women's March now is finally on defense about some of the connections of its leaders. No, not only Linda Sarsour, but no, we're talking about Tamika Mallory, the Women's March organizer and co-president she continues, despite her direct connections to the nation of Islam, to defend herself. She had the temerity to say, It's impossible for me, now i quote her, It's impossible for me to agree with every statement or share every viewpoint of the many people I've worked with or will work with in the future, as I do not wish to be held responsible for the words of others. When my own history shows that I stand in opposition to them, I also do not think it's fair to question anyone who works with me, who supports my work and is a member of this movement because of the ways that I may have fallen short. She says, and this is the money quote, the Women's March leader concluded her defense by explaining that her work requires an operational unity that could be painful and uncomfortable. This is what she responded to the ADL, no conservative organization, actually an organization that for a while defended Keith Ellison, this is an organization that now confronted the Women's March and said that Farrakhan has claimed that the Jewish people control the media. Tons of conspiracy theories. They point out his, his, his anti-Semitism is deep. And the Nation of Islam leader uh, has uh, said that legalization of marijuana is to feminize black men, has been homophobic, on and on the list of heinous ideas. That Louis Farrakhan believes is not only un American, it should have removed him from social media. But no, his Twitter account has 500,000 followers. David Duke has 50,000. He's not a verified Twitter. Louis Farrakhan has the blue check mark, whatever that's worth, and half a million followers. This guy should be ostracized. No different than the Tiki Torch men were ostracized by CNN, MSNBC, and others as they tried to. Label that onto Trump. Why isn't Louis Farrakhan ostracized? The only mainstream reporter left of center that addressed this was Jake Tapper. Jake Tapper confronted and brought out some of these. Re- the only reason the Women's March even responded was because some few rare, which I hate to call courageous, but they really were, shouldn't be courageous to take on hate mongers and, and, and virulent Parasites like Louis Farrakhan. He is a parasite of humanity. No different than David Duke is. The way he speaks about the Jewish people. The way he speaks about uh, um, America. The way he speaks about Israel. The way he speaks in praise of Gaddafi. In praise of, of, of vicious dictators. Is not a man who would defend Democracy. And it should not be a surprise that the nation of Islam, by its name, which is a separatist movement, has spawned separatist terrorist groups, be it the Black Panthers or others that were monitored decades ago. And its ideas should be a clinic in the radicalization of Muslims. That somebody like Louis Farrakhan could stand up at his pulpit and preach homophobia anti-semitism and while it's not technically terrorism is a precursor for militant Islamism now his book they don't even read the Quran in Arabic there's uh, you could have a debate as Sunnis try to do to separate them from any form of Islamism be it Wahhabism Khomeinism or even mainstream so-called Muslim Brotherhood ideology because of how much they've deviated from not only sunni islam but the belief that the prophet muhammad is the final prophet that's a whole theological argument at the end of the day these are self-identified muslims at the end of the day look and see how much of the Islamist establishment in America takes on Louis Farrakhan. They have welcomed people like Siraj Wahaj. They have welcomed the, the Muhammad Majids and others of the world who may have come from the Nation of Islam community, and others, while they may reject their history, there's very little confrontation and calls for reform and recognition that that separationism is a natural precursor to radical Islamism. And this is why you see the radicalization of Muslims in prison. You see a direct line from the Imams in prison, some of whom are Nation of Islam, to then ISIS, Al-Qaeda, and other militant national Islamist groups, be they Sunni or Shia, globally. So, do not underestimate, do not underestimate the importance of people like Tamika Mallory and how much they minimize their connections to the nation of Islam, to what what impact that has on the perpetuation of the market for pre-militant ideas of homophobia, anti-Semitism, anti-Americanism, conspiracy theories, and the whole pool of ideas that should be marginalized no different than the fascist white supremacists are marginalized every day. They should be as radioactive, as toxic, and as discuss but no few lines here or there jake tapper makes a few tweets he talked about it uh, to his credit but there should be every reporter doing it no different than they did after what happened in charlottesville last year and by the way the pictures coming now out now of obama with fealty to to uh, minister farrakhan of the meetings of ellison and others where were those pictures and they happened or when obama first ran These were there. Now it's being revealed. Fine, let's talk about it. I'm not saying we shouldn't talk about it now, but why didn't we talk about it when he ran? Political correctness, identity politics, because the left wants to use the African-American community, the Muslim community, and ignore Islamists. Ignore Islamists and how toxic that global ideology is from Iran to Saudi Arabia and refuses to link that separationism here in America to the Islamism and fascism of Iran, Saudi Arabia, Muslim Brotherhood, and on. When we come back, we'll continue the conversation about the Nation of Islam, the Women's March, and start looking at what Saudi Arabia has been doing. This is Zudi Jasser on Reform This.
0: You're listening to Reform This with Dr. Zudi Jasser, the Blaze Radio Network. Don't miss the morning blaze with Doc. You uh-huh. in business and first class get to walk back. Ah, uh, but mm-hmm. they do not get to walk can't up. Oh, no, no, that's bad. <laughs> now, listen, kids, I <laughs> want to see you up here, but but you can't. They won't let me. You can't. They so, won't. this curtain here, you can't come past. You can't. I'll come back and see I'll you, see you a little when bit. I <laughs> have time. <laughs> Good. <laughs> Until then, you just stay with your mom. The morning blaze, weekday morning, 6 to 9 Eastern on the Blaze Radio Network. You're listening to Reform This with Dr. Zudi Jasser, the Blaze Radio Network.
1: This is Dr. Zudi Jasser. Welcome back to Reform This. We're talking about the the hypocrisy, the double standard, the the big, bigotry of low expectations that is put upon the left, that the left puts upon the Muslim community, and allows bigots, allows fascists like Louis Farrakhan to become representatives and then dismiss them. Dismiss them because they want to in the name of operational unity. As Tamika Mallory, one of the organizers and co-presidents of the Women's March said, in dismissal of Louis Farrakhan's involvement and the rabidly anti-Semitic and rabidly un-American nation of Islam, her response was that Her work requires an operational unity that could be painful and uncomfortable. Oh, so now we describe folks with ideas that that spew conspiracy theories, that talk about Jewish control of media and Hollywood, that, that talk about the gay community like they're talking about creatures, that talk about America like they're talking about a place that they despise because they're separatists. We're talking about movements that have sprouted radicals, that radicalize folks in prisons and across America, in pipelines like the Black Panthers and elsewhere. And they're dismissed because of op- what is the operational unity? What is the operation of the Women's March? I thought it was about feminism. I thought it was about about unity, about women's issues and in this week what is more offensive to women than on the international women's day to have the head of the women's march one of the co-presidents dismiss as a necessary part of her community louis farrakhan is nation of islam look back at what louis farrakhan said about qaddafi his friend his mentor his his colleague one of the most grisly human beings that ever existed in the Middle East, Muammar Gaddafi was embraced by Louis Farrakhan. And it goes on, legions of dictators. The Khomeinists have been embraced by Farrakhan and his visits and elsewhere. It's just, uh, the list goes on and on. Keith Ellison's never held accountable. The the eight Democrats uh, that have embraced Farrakhan are not held accountable. And unfortunately, if the left really believes in the principles of feminism, equality, all the things they talk about, minority rights, they would call out the fascists amongst them. And I'm sorry, Farrakhan has a much larger following than David Duke does. Look at their Twitter account. And I think the last point I wanted to make about this is, when people say, where are the reformers? Why don't reformers have a voice? Well, remember... In America the axis of discussion of conversation revolves around partisan politics. People say, well, all the reformers are not reformers, it's all part of a right-wing movement. Well, the left prefers to embrace the the racial divisive identity politics of virulent movements like the nation of islam separatist movements that call themselves a nation within a nation which by definition is a separatist movement that will do everything to placate sharia law beliefs which are incompatible with americanism placate anti-semitism and it's not just the nation of islam we have sermons that i've talked to you before that are in mosques from Virginia to North Carolina to California and San Diego and elsewhere that scream an anti-Semitism that's radicalizing our Muslim community, and this bigotry of low expectations refuses to acknowledge the impact that that has on um, destroying the foundational principles of American equality, the 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 what America has fought for through its Civil War, through its Civil Rights Movement. And as we supposedly get closer to believing in what it truly means to be equal and, and celebrate universal human rights, we continue to ignore and give Muslims a bigotry of low expectations. We don't hold them accountable to the same principles and we use their constituency for partisan politics. And I'm calling out the left in this Segment. I think if you look at the SPLC, where are the reformers? The SPLC is calling reformers like Majid Nawaz an Islamophobe. And this is a a liberal left of center thinker that believes in feminism, that believes in in many of the ideas of the left, and yet he is dismissed by a, a byproduct of the Soros movement as being And Islamophobe. Why? Because they want to rather placate petro Islamic interests, which are actually far right orthodox fundamentalist theocrats, because that's who's funding the coffers of their movements of Islamic Islamist ideologues that they want to placate, so that's the center of access. The center of access is not true North, universal human rights. The center of access is not what protects America and what we believe in where we can debate on issues we might disagree in, about health care, about gun rights, abortion rights, or whatever those things might be that we might disagree, left versus right. Now, when it comes to radical Islam and its radicalization, when it comes to a quarter of the world's population that is going through a period in which we need to declare war on theocracy, the left in America fails every time. Every time they take the side of the Louis Farrakhan's of the world. They take the side of the dictators of the Muslim world. They take the side of the mosques and the Islamic establishment instead of where the real civil rights war is today and the real civil rights movement is today, which is inside the mosques, inside the theocracies in Iran, Saudi Arabia, and elsewhere. So wake up. Women's March, you are not a march for women. You are a march for leftist demagogues unless you stand for the principles Of what this country believes in and i will defend your right to do so when it's about issues we might disagree with but not when you reject the civil rights for muslims within who are marginalized by theocrats and 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 amplified by your empowerment and blindness to their theocracy So to the Linda Sarsour's, the Tamika Mallory's, and every leader of this Women's March, the SPLC, and all apologists for Louis Farrakhan Nation of Islam and other hate-filled organizations and leaders, we call upon you to take a stand and, and then explain to America where the voices of reform and moderate Islam are. You're not helping. You're the problem, not the solution. More to come on reform this on the blaze radio network
0: you're listening to reform this with dr Zudi jasser the blaze radio network Radio Network On Demand. Reform
1: This with Dr. Sudie Jasser. This is Dr. Sudi Jasser. Welcome back to Reform This on the Blaze Radio Network. Always great to be with you. And uh, along with you, traverse the news, traverse the events across the world, things that might be missed on the lamestream media that uh, are so obsessed with porn stars and the irrelevant parts of the Russia story, that uh, you're missing the real news of the Russia story, of what's happening in Syria and elsewhere. While, uh, you know, I heard a uh, speaker from Hoover this week uh, um, talk about what's happening in Iran. And, you know, he said many things that I wanted to share with you, but I think the one thing I want to take the time to talk to you about is he said that... Russia and China are on the verge of making Iran into an economic colony. Russia and China are on the verge of making Iran into an economic colony. All the while, all the while, Iran has colonized and made Syria into a client state. Lebanon has lost its autonomy. So the Shia Crescent will become an appendage of Two of the major superpowers on the planet, they're not superpowers, but two of the most significant powers on the planet, China being over a billion people strong and and militarizing to the point, as he pointed out, not to just create toys with their military, but spending an unprecedented amount on their military, while Russia also continues to hegemonize the region. And they seem to be working in tandem against the free countries of the West. Later, I want to get to the fact that why NATO then becomes so much more important and why our position on Turkey becomes so much more important. But you can't ignore the fact that Syria seemed to be a small country, and we only cared about what was happening there because of the radicalization and the threat that ISIS posed to the West, to Europe and to America, and the acts of terror went after the next that sprouted also as a result of us vacating from Iraq. But as we look to American national security, this domino effect... If Syria was truly, as I've said to you every time I've talked about this, if Syria was truly undergoing a civil war, we should have left it alone, and as we as Obama did, did nothing, and let them work it out. Absolutely. That's what the Syrian people finally, after 50 plus years of Ba'athist domination, finally woke up to do. But no, the Russians, the Iranians, and then The Saudis, the Qataris, and the Turks that radicalized the Sunnis, the Russian and Iranians that fueled the Hezbollah militants and the Assadist terrorists and others, created a a massive genocidal campaign against one another that left the regular population in Syria that was truly having a revolution to perish. And the region empowered Russia, Iran, and economically in Iran China we handed pallets of cash instead to Iran and the cycle now has swung back in which now the Trump administration is amplifying the voices of Saudi Arabia too much we are now empowering the Wahhabis in order to balance the hugely imbalanced power that the Shia Islamists have bolstered by Russia So on one hand, I don't fault the Trump administration for taking the side of the Saudis because they had to rebalance, recalibrate. But at the end of the day, they are as much a threat as Iran and its Khomeini's bolstered by Russia and China in their economy. And now we see, we see that Saudi Arabia is spending tens of millions of dollars on the rehabilitation campaign in the West. We see you in Britain. The British media is talking about how on Tuesday this week, The Guardian published a leaked memo suggesting a U.S. law firm influenced investigation into the 43 billion pound deal between the U.K. arms dealer BAE and Saudi Arabia involving bribery allegations. The shady dealings were discussed at length. The leaked memo then goes on to talk about how a U.S. law firm influenced an investigation into that deal. And the bottom line is is that the Saudi lobbying efforts in the Justice Against State Terrorism Act was pursued by families of 9-11 victims, and they went on to make sure that they would not be targeted, their government with that act for their complicity in the 15 out of 19 uh, 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 terrorists that were involved in the acts of 9-11 in addition to their whole radicalization process, which they should have been held accountable for. So at the end of the day, now, not only was it that act that started to rev up the Saudi lobbying machine in Washington, but finally now, With a course correction, they're trying to rehab their images. And we see in Britain now billboards across London talking about MBS being the great reformer. I mean, I have to tell you, it is nauseating. There might be some great platitudes, MBS. I prefer to call them MBS. But that MBS may be saying, Mohammed bin Salman, the young crown prince that's been named by King Salman as being the next in succession for the throne. And the world looks on and looks at every snort and movement that he makes as being some profess of reform. This week there was the hysterical move in Saudi Arabia that Vince McMahon was going to bring WWE and they were going to have a 50 Grand Royale wrestling match. A 50-man Grand royal wrestling match. WWE that will break down the walls of culture and begin the era of economic and cultural reform. That is what was said in Saudi media and in their press release about the WWE. I won't even get into the background on what led to this. Did it have something to do with connections with the Trump administration? That doesn't matter to me. I am sorry. But fake wrestling, one of the most bizarre aspects of of American culture, which is fine, you know, it's like reality TV, all these other things that don't make any sense. But at the end of the day, it's just fake wrestling. It's not talent. it's It's not real wrestling. It's just fake. And this is going to be the renaissance of saudi arabia yep that's the renaissance is a bunch of guys cheering on two guys pretending to beat up each other in a ring and that was all over the media this week as being a sign of the liberal reformer M. B.S. it's bs that's not reform he may be trying things, and I'm sure some of you are rolling your eyes saying, what do you expect the guy to do? He's in, in uh, a, a very difficult situation, and he talks about roles of women that are going to be put into place. At this point, the Saudis have earned little trust, and we should only reward accomplishments. WWE wrestling matches are not accomplishments. Women are supposed to be driving soon. That's an accomplishment. It's not a major reform, it's an accomplishment. Reform would be when the Wahhabi judges are no longer making pronouncements that cause beheadings, severing of limbs and actually allow women to testify equally with women with men in a court. That would be a reform. An accomplishment is a step towards a reform. So, as we start to put back together this puzzle that was unraveled from the 20th century thanks to Obama. That is not progress. That's sort of re-establishing the status quo, which was already run by a bunch of dictators and thugs in the Middle East in the 20th century. But once we re-stabilize those thugs, I hope we realize that the way forward in the Middle East is going to be disruption. The way forward in the Middle East is going to be revolutions. And that the only way to prevent Russian Chinese intervention into Iran and hegemonization and with another sort of Cold War 4.0 in the Middle East between the American Western Sunni side versus the Russian China Shia side is going to be democracies. Sounds like a bridge too far. We've already tried the other bridges, haven't we? And it's not for us to do. Just prevent external influence in revolutions and let those civil wars evolve revolutions evolve and they will transition tunisia is an example of a country that's starting to slowly but sluggishly move forward towards democracy and the islamists have been marginalized but this sham i am sick and tired of the sham of saudi advertisements in the west that they are our friends they are not they share none of our values we should not be selling them time any more than companies in the West should be selling Turkish airline times during the Super Bowl as we did with Mehmet Oz advertising for them as if Turkish Air is a moderate free market organization that is part of the Western culture. No, the mosque funded by the Turkish government in Maryland is an outpost for the AKP. That's what the purpose of their infiltration, of their influence, and their investment in Western society. is It is not to help Americanism. It is not to help liberty, to help secularism. The AKP is all about evangelizing Islamist hegemony and creating their new Ottoman empire. We need to start looking at these ideas. So if you wonder where the voices of reformers are, This is the chess match that we are losing miserably at. We're losing the chess match, ladies and gentlemen. The lobbyists, the billions of Petro-Islam are being spent on ads more and more and more. And the 20th century is calling. And our leadership keeps answering and giving them back the 20th century instead of a 21st century that marginalizes dictators that marginalizes monarchs, whose time is over. And I guarantee you, dictatorships' time is over. The question is, is how much, how much misery and genocide will go with them? In Syria, we're seeing a lot. It's not going to need American military there to solve the problem. We just need to have enough sanctions, to have enough influence in civil society to marginalize the influence of the Russians, the Iranians, and others that are thinking that it's just the same old rebooted 60s again. This is Zudi Jasser. We'll be right back on Reform This.
0: Breaching the fault lines of today. This is Reform This with Dr. Zudi Jasser on the Blaze Radio Network. Pat Gray. So McDonald's is going to soon banish... Cheeseburgers and chocolate milk from his Happy Meals,
1: so that's good, right? Stop. That's good, right? You're not going to McDonald's for I... kale. I, I don't. Are, are they going to do McKale now? Ooh, McQuinoa. <laughs> whoa, 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 whoa! <laughs> we need to copyright that right now. Oh, McQuinoa geez. is that stupid? Pat, Pat Gray. Gray, weekdays from noon to three Eastern, only on the Blaze Radio Network.
0: Reaching the fault lines of today. This is Reform This with Doctor Zudi Jasser on the Blaze Radio Network.
1: This is Doctor Zudi Jasser. Welcome back to Reform This. Our last segment this week. Uh, you know, when we talk reformation, it's not always just the simple nuances of the ideas. Sometimes it's the national playgrounds, the national fronts that we have to deal with. And if we if we don't follow The direction of democracy, of liberation, of the ideals of Western civilization at all times, and we allow the strong horse to win, if we allow the autocrats and tyrants to maintain control or to gain control, as Erdogan has said when he was supposedly believing in democracy, he at a weak moment said, democracy is like a train. You write it until you get where you want to go, and then you get off. What more honest phrase do you want from an Islamist? That's the problem with majoritocracy, is that democracies always will end up becoming oppressive majorities unless they have a balance of power, a separation of power that ends with the Supreme Court or a legal correction that is not related to a vote, and is thus a republic. The Turks have proven that. The AKP has always been Islamist, but initially they had a strong safeguard from a secular military, from a secular party that opposed them. But slowly, Erdogan is consolidating power in a very authoritarian manner, and the AKP is not only Islamist, but it's become a cult of Erdogan. Now, I bring this up because this week... Well, one of the tests, I think, constantly that the West needs to realize we are in is what are we doing with Turkey? Because Turkey is part of NATO. 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 This is what the NATO treaty signatories signed. They said the parties to this treaty reaffirm their faith in the purposes and principles of the Charter of the United Nations and their desire to live in peace with all people and all governments. They are determined to safeguard the freedom, common heritage and civilization of their peoples founded on the principles of democracy, individual liberty and the rule of law. They seek to promote stability and well-being in the North Atlantic area. They are resolved to unite their efforts for collective defense and for the preservation of peace and security. They therefore agree to this North Atlantic Treaty. Then it goes into the articles. I'm sorry. Turkey this week has threatened, basically threatened to to invade Greece. Turkey has said that it will uh, uh, basically do whatever possible to allow the Kurds to be annihilated, which will not happen, but the United States has backed away. The Kurds have stopped fighting ISIS because they said Americans are not supporting them. And Turkey's cheering that on. Turkey has also threatened the West after uh, uh, President Trump rightly identified Jerusalem as the capital of Israel, which it's always been. That should have never been on the table. Now, this is not about East Jerusalem. It's about where the Israeli capital is right now, where it's Knesset and its Supreme Court, its seat of government is, is in West Jerusalem. And Turkey's response was to declare East Jerusalem the capital of Palestine, and that basically it threatened the West. On and on, the list of threats continue to increase. Erdogan has made statements that, uh, from support of Hamas to a desire to end the Sykes-Picot agreement in the Middle East, his, his aspirations for caliphism are unbelievable. When is the United Nations, when is the NATO countries going to look at whether Turkey should stay as part of NATO? I don't believe they believe in these principles of liberty and freedom. I think AKP has shown that they do not. And what is NATO's policy? on rogue nations that are supposedly part of their group. And I think it's time for NATO to redefine itself and the UN also to have a subset which will become a League of Democracies. Because the tyrants, the dictators in the, in the UN, in which you have bizarre mechanisms in which Saudi Arabia, Syria even are getting seats on UNESCO and other things that are just sort of beyond Orwellian. So uh, it's time to revisit Turkey's position in NATO, to, to begin to marginalize them and begin a process of expelling them because of the AKP's Islamist position, Islamist ideology that's incompatible, completely Islamist, theocratic ideology is incompatible and state identities incompatible with western state identity and that's our work at the american islamic Forum for democracy is the belief that muslim identification with secular states is the only solution against islamism and islamism is the radical precursor to militant islamism of isis hamas al-qaeda and others that we truly all agree are the enemies of freedom but the precursors are also the enemies of freedom, which is Islamic State identity. And I read you the NATO preamble and it's complete farce. To, to say that Turkey's a part of that. Doesn't believe in that. Doesn't believe in liberty and democracy and all these things that are part of the NATO preamble. It's absurd. Last, I want to leave you with a a piece that appeared this week. It should have appeared multiple times before, but no, not during the Obama administration. We won't talk about Ba'athism during the Obama administration. We won't talk about the, the the evil of Assad while we're trying to make a nuclear deal with Iran. No. But the Foreign Policy magazine this week talked about Ba'athism as being the cause of the chaos in Iraq and Syria. So I wanted to take this opportunity to remind all of you and my listeners and my friends that don't forget what Ba'athism is. The Assad regime claims to be secular, claims to be the friend of Christians and minorities, certainly not the friend of Jews. There's none left in Syria thanks to 50 years of Ba'athism. But the true chaos that is the groundswell, that was the fertilizer, the, the, the environment that created the radicalization of Muslims and the, the fodder for Hezbollah and ISIS and other radical Islamist groups is Ba'athist, national socialist, fascist ideology. And alongside the picture of Saddam Hussein, who was also a Ba'athist, is Bashar Assad and his father, Hafez Assad. It is incredulous to me if you look at the Washington swamp, the, estel- the establishment there, most of whom are bought and paid for by the Petro-Islamists. It is incredulous. It is incredulous that some of them are apologists for Ba'athism. They claim it's some liberation movement and give you what it means in Arabic as, as being the liberating ideology of the state. And it is a fascist idea of militarization of military authority of a national party that is no different than nazism i'm sure the nazis thought nazism was a liberating ideology but in an orwellian sense and a deeper genocidal sense it is a fascist ideology that would not only take the jewish population and and over 6 million dead as we should all learn and visiting the memorials, the Holocaust memorials, which, by the way, now are trying to be hijacked by other groups. But at the end of the day, these fascist movements are about racial identification, about racism against other minorities, other faiths, other ideas. So bathism You cannot forget it because people talk about the freedom of Christians in in Syria, but yet the only Christians that were not tortured were the ones who believed in Ba'athism. If you rejected the party's ideology and believed in freedom and liberty or communism even, let alone Ba'athism, you were marginalized, tortured, and put into one of the prisons in Syria. And you weren't given free speech. There is no free speech. There is no freedom. And people will give you, oh, yeah, that, that, it's not a great. It's not a democracy, but it was working better than ISIS. No, this is the ground of fertilizing that creates the ISISes of the world. So revolution is the only answer. So thank you, foreignpolicy.com, for writing about this. But we should constantly be reminding America that the, the cauldron that's brewing ISIS is 50 years of Ba'athism. And dictatorship and monarchies across the Middle East. And this Game of Thrones needs to end. The Game of Thrones needs to end. We're not going to end it in the West, but we can start helping nascent movements. The Iranian Revolution is being missed as we focus on porn stars and absurd obsessions within the beltway. It's time to wake up and begin to look at the world changing before us. Again, I'll tell you, when I listened to Abbas Medani from Hoover Institute, he said, this is a guy who's been studying this stuff for decades. Escaped Iran, came now to study at Hoover and teach at Hoover. And he said, never in his life has he felt the Middle East more in peril, and the world more in peril as a result of what he sees there than now. And yet we have no rudder, we have no guidance on what is the way forward. Is it simply to put out fires as they come? Good, we finally have a president that's putting out fires immediately and empowering our generals, empowering our DOD to do what they need to to keep America safe militarily. But the whack-a-mole program will continue forever. Unless the Muslim world ends its battle against both fascisms, Baathist, secular military fascism, and other military fascisms across the Middle East, North Africa, and theocracy. Both need to be defeated, and that process might be a long journey, but it has to start now. It's always great talking to you. The worker reform starts here, it doesn't end here, but it starts here, I hope, and week to week. You and I can talk together about those things that so few are addressing. This is Zudi Jasser on Reform This on the Blaze Radio Network.
0: Reform This with Dr. Zudi Jasser. Breaching the fault lines of today, the Blaze Radio Network.